One Week Season. Welcome to the week six community reflection in the OWS fam discord. Thanks guys for being here to hang out. I've had a ton of fun doing these this season and yeah, really look forward to this every week and uh, really just hope that we can continue to learn and grow together. This space is all about really sharpening our play and growing as DFS players. We learn and grow together. And that's kind of how I approach this space is uh, just really openly and transparently walking you through my process using my review document that I created last year for myself and have had uh, just an immense amount of personal growth as a player because of using this. So we are going to be talking all things uh, assessment and reflection and how to use that to become a better DFS player. With that, let's get into week six and what that looked like. So, by the way, I if you are listening live, I threw my reflection document with my lineup and uh, some of my thoughts, all the questions that I have are all answered in there. Uh, so if you want to check that out to follow along or if you want to download a version for yourself, you can do that because that is in the OWS fam shared Google Drive. So week six. Oh, by the way, the, that's in the channels, the reflection channel. I threw that in a little bit ago, and then it's also in the single entry three max. I just put that in there right before I jumped on live. So you can open that up. Uh, but yeah, so this week, I kind of talked a little bit about it last week. I did a similar thing, which was I only played the early slate. And so a lot of what I talk about here is still going to be relevant for uh, main slate as a whole. So uh, don't don't tune out just because this is early slate. Um, but the reason that I've done that recently is essentially if I don't feel really strongly about having an edge, uh, with the extra games and the players from those games, whether it's because uh, I don't have a good feel for them or because I feel that a narrowing of the player pool is actually beneficial for me um, because I have some level of uncertainty that I'm I'm going to to do that. And so I've talked a little bit about how we all want to play main slate. Main slate is fun. It's exciting. That's where, you know, all the the news and all the content that we consume comes out on. And so there's just kind of a focus to play there. And if you guys have hung out with me in this space before, you'll know that I am a uh, I'm, I'm in a bankroll building phase. I am a small stakes single entry guy. And so therefore, my goals are purely around building bankroll uh there's there's little to, and it's hard to let go of this but there's little to no uh enjoyment or, or entertainment factor in this and not that i don't enjoy it but i'm not creating lineups i'm not entering contests because i want to have a million dollar day i would love that but that is not the best approach for me with where i'm at and my goals JM talks about this. We talk about this all the time at OWS. You have to know what kind of player you are and what your goals are in order to really uh, effectively with a plus EV approach, uh, approach each week. So I have been playing these early slates uh, and then even I've been doing a little bit of uh, prime time and short slates as well, playing around with that. So I'm not going to talk about that here today, but I am going to be hanging around in the short slate channel just a bit more uh, because I think there's a big edge to have there. Talked about that with a couple guys, uh, Roto Maven, Zandemir, and there's just uh, a lot of interesting things there. But to get to today's lineup, uh, what that looked like, uh, if you have the document or not in front of you, that was uh, Taylor Heineke, 
Joe Mixon, Chuba Hubbard, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Diami Brown, Ricky Seals-Jones, Travis Kelsey in the flex, <clears throat> and Lions defense. So to start, like was talked about uh, quite a bit here at OWS over the past week, I wanted to play in this uh, Kansas City, Washington game environment. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into why, because that was laid out ad nauseum across the site, uh, but I was fully in that as well. Uh, and as a single entry player playing small fields, it can be really beneficial to really build around a game environment. And I talk about this a lot. Uh, everybody at OWS talks about this, that when we're building rosters intelligently, it helps to uh, lessen the amount of things that we need to get right. And I think you can really, really capitalize on that in small field single entry because you don't need that crazy ceiling game in these really large fields. You simply need to be right about a couple of things. And so, uh, so to look at what I did for this game stack was Taylor Heineke with Diamy Brown and Ricky Seals-Jones bringing it back with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So your first question is probably, why the hell did you play Diamy Brown in a small field? <laughs> Uh, and so this is actually a play that I came around to late in the week. Uh, it was Saturday night when I was working through this. I just, for for as much of a target share and an emphasis in this offense that Terry McLaurin has been, I just didn't feel great about him. I thought that the Chiefs would, while they haven't been great at uh, covering receivers this year, which they haven't in the past, I just had a feeling that they would do what it took to uh, try to take McLaurin out of the game. So whether it was bracketing him or whatever it was, I just had this again, there, you know, not from a data perspective, the data pointed to him. It was more of an intuitive thing, but I've just felt like uh, he wasn't in uh, or wasn't going to produce a ceiling game, at least uh, not that I didn't think he was going to produce, but I didn't think that he was going to have one of his monster 25 plus 30 plus point games. So I definitely with that, I definitely wanted to play Ricky Seals Jones. I mentioned this in my reflection document, but Ricky Seals Jones was by far the most mispriced player on the slate for his role, for the game environment, for his potential ceiling and floor, really. Uh, just just dramatically drastically uh, mispriced and so i wanted to play him this is one of those things where i was you know just i'll differentiate elsewhere i'm just going to kind of take the play you know the guy that's 3k and is likely going to see six to ten targets in this game environment um and you know big body guy so he has touchdown upside just going to go with him <laughs> and so back to the the Diamond brown piece i really liked the leverage that that gave me because you know if mclaurin does indeed fail which he did uh from a price considered standpoint and you know diamond brown failed as well uh, with only six DraftKings points but he did have six targets to mclaurin's eight and uh yeah so if, if mclaurin hits the the score that he did which i think was 18 or something like that uh and then diamond brown ends up going for yeah, seven for 60 and a touchdown and you get 19 points out of a guy who is 3K. You're sitting in a pretty good place and you've created some leverage because now you've spent 3K to the people that are spending 7K on Terry McLaurin 7100, I think it was. So I really like that play and why I really like that is uh, it opened me up to playing Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and what we'll get to in a minute, Cooper Cup. So I really liked, I really wanted to get Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey coming back here with uh, 
the so quickly um just to quickly go back to taylor heineke that just felt like kind of a no-brainer to me uh 5800 for a guy who has you know doesn't have any name value but has played well in plus matchups and has uh rushing ability as well plus this game environment it just seemed like a really great spot for him at least to not fail but unfortunately that's exactly what happened he did fail getting only 10.28 DraftKings points was uh, pretty much his rock bottom floor in this game environment so I was totally cool rolling with him at quarterback and the so the stack of Heineke Heineke Dimey Brown and Ricky Seals Jones uh, was I don't have it calculated here but you're at a very low uh, so what's that like 6k and then so 11.8k for these three guys who are going to have uh, a, a lot of volume a pretty solid floor and a pretty decent price considered ceiling so to go back to the other side of the ball then with the chiefs tyreek hill and travis kelsey uh, you got these guys who just have such a massive floor and ceiling on this team they're they're such a big part of the kansas city offense with that, I was getting exposure to Patrick Mahomes and not having to pay the uh, really steep price tag for him. I just really, really liked how this stack set up. Again, uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey uh, as a block hit their absolute floor as well. Uh, these two guys combined for 40 points, which is is pretty literally their floor. Uh, you know, they have a ceiling of... 70 or something like that so i really kind of ran bad in terms of the the stack and i really do think that it was good process in hindsight i really like the setup uh it didn't work out the game did fail in that sense but given what it could have been i will i will take that bet and i will happily uh take the l there <laughs> So that was kind of the the foundation of my roster. And then from there, the I really liked a couple of the running back positions this week. I really wanted to play Joe Mixon, who was in a spot against Detroit, who has just been terrible against the run so far this year. And I know that people there, you know, there's some uncertainty around him and people are going to be a little hesitant to pull the trigger, which based on who I am as a player and my play style is when I am going to pull the trigger. I'm really looking for those plays that people are uh, waiting to see what happens. I was pretty confident that uh, with Perrine out, Mixon was going to get a, a full workload or pretty close to and I was uh, OK taking that bet and banking on it. And he came through with 26.3 DraftKings points. And then the other running back that I played was Chuba Hubbard, which is probably the biggest frustration, disappointment, mistake that I made on my lineup this week. Uh, and I'll get into the full the, the full extent of that in just a second. Uh, but the the thinking on Hubbard was that he's had a massive role in this offense thus far. The matchup with the Minnesota Vikings run defense is actually better than most would assume. And in a game that I figured would be competitive, he would essentially have a role throughout. And so he's kind of, you know, he's not Christian McCaffrey and he's getting kind of a, a McCaffrey uh, light role in a sense. And I wanted to capitalize on that. I wanted to be early to his ceiling game because he hasn't had a true ceiling game thus far. But with that, I got a little bit stuck on him. I couldn't quite shake this wanting to be early to the party. Uh, and really, this is one of those things where I just got too cute with it. I, I just got a little bit too ingrained in my thinking. And while he wasn't a bad play, there were definitely better plays on this slate. Two of the other running backs that I was really high on early in the week that I got off of were Jonathan Taylor and Daryl Daryl Henderson. So Jonathan Taylor, uh, one of the things I wrote in my early week notes was that he was in a smash spot. 
<laughs> the, the funny thing is that early in the game, people were starting to freak out because he wasn't smashing at all. They weren't even giving him the ball. Uh, but he ended up having a great game, thought he was a really strong play. Again, this is where I got too cute with it. And this is a, a tendency that I have, something that I know because I do these reflections and because I am very intentional about reviewing my process. I tend to want to be a little bit too different from the field and think that I need to do this in a lot of spots and where there might be some merit for that in large field. It still really isn't even necessary if you're differentiating somewhere, but especially for me in this, I played a a red zone that was only 113 entries. And so my stack, as I had already mentioned, was already something that people were not going to have. And so I could have eaten full chalk at all these other positions and been totally fine. Uh, so didn't play Jonathan Taylor. And then the one that I'm even more frustrated about is Darrell Henderson. And that was my single biggest mistake in this lineup because I wrote early in the week that uh, and I have this all this is written in the document as well, which, again, you can either you can access in the, the reflection channel or the single entry three max channel if you want to check it out. I've got like the player by player breakdown and all the questions that I ask myself and, and go through. But I liked the combo of Daryl Henderson and Cooper Cup to get exposure to a large share of the volume and the touchdowns from the Rams offense in a smash spot against the Giants. I even went as far as to tweet this <laughs> um, and I responded to uh, El Magico, who was out on a trip and he had tweeted something. What should I know about this week? And I tweeted that back to him. And I also mentioned doing that without a bring back because I just wasn't worried about or, or didn't need uh, any guy from the Giants to for for Cup and Henderson to hit and just didn't feel like there was a bankable spot. Obviously, Kadarius Tony was the one guy that um, could have you know been that guy. He got injured, but I did not play him. Why? I did not play Darrell Henderson with Cooper Cup because I got stuck on this idea that Darrell Henderson is a uh, a yardage and touchdown back, and I wanted a guy who caught more passes. One, that's not true. <laughs> he he has been catching passes in this offense, and uh, two, it doesn't matter really uh, when we're looking for ceiling. It's, you know, playing those two guys. The whole idea is that I'd be playing those two guys, banking on getting a couple of touchdowns out of the pairing of them. So the thinking was there. They scored four combined touchdowns. Uh, I don't have Henderson's point total in front of me, but I think they scored something like 60 combined points. So totally the right call. Did not execute on that. Hurt in hindsight. Love, love, love plays like that. And then one of the other things that I had noted that I didn't really even think about doing, because one of the questions I ask myself in this reflection is, uh, what am I most frustrated about? What do I wish I had considered? And so with that block of players in a small field specifically, I wish I would have at least considered playing Stafford because that would have just really kind of guaranteed my points. I just thought the Rams were in a total smash spot. They were going to want to show that they weren't going to take their foot off the gas. And so I would have really captured uh, all of that floor and all of that ceiling from that combination. That takes care of all positions except defense. Defense. Uh, this was just a straight punt week for me, which I pretty rarely do, actually. Uh, I know JM's talked a bunch about it this year, but this is kind of something that the field does without even thinking about it. But there is a lot. It's a spot on your roster. And if you are just chalking that up to like, I get whatever I get or I get six or seven or eight points. Uh, you're missing a, a large chunk of your roster. You always want to be setting yourself up for a defense that is has capability of scoring double digit points. That said, with how I built my roster this week, I just didn't feel like there was anybody that was strongly enough. Uh, if you guys have been hanging out with me for a couple of weeks now, 
you'll know that things in like weeks two, three, I was basically all in on like the Patriots defense one week, the Cardinals defense the other week because they were just in such a good spot. So defense kind of ebbs and flows for me based on what the slate is giving me. All right, that's the lineup. It was uh, good for 23rd out of 113. And the, you know, the kind of running joke that we've had now over the first five or six weeks is that I've been absolutely terrible. And this was my first week caching and it felt so good to finally do that. We've talked in the, the past couple of weeks about the emotional nature of DFS. And it's amazing how life giving <laughs> um, simply seeing some freaking green on your screen can be. And I feel like I kind of got my mojo back a little bit because, like I said, I managed to cash and that was with, a, you know, a, a solid mistake or two. So feeling good about that, feeling good about my process overall. Uh, let's see my questions here. What did I do well? What didn't I do well? Uh, the one thing that I kind of mentioned thus far is that I just got a bit stuck on some of those plays. Chuba Hubbard. Uh, was really the one that kind of stuck out here. A little bit frustrating. But the flip side of that is that the play style that I like to embrace is that I've learned about myself over the past couple of years is I want to go all in on my conviction plays because there is nothing worse for me personally to get to the end of the weekend and have come off of a conviction play. But that said, you can always do so given the right reasons and moving on to other conviction plays. It wasn't uh, just like picking straws there. Let's see what else. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to start accepting requests for people to come up. So if you want to just go ahead and raise your hand either to ask me questions about my lineup, my process, uh, my document, anything like that, go ahead and I'll kind of start wrapping up the things that I've been talking about. But yeah, feel free. Any thoughts, questions? And then if we don't have those, we'll move on to anything you guys want to talk about about your lineups as well. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Um, oh, one of the takeaways I had relative to the Washington's Kansas City environment and that game as a whole, that was one of the games that Lex and Jess and Majestic and I talked about on the First Peak podcast last week. And one of the things we talked about was how does this game fail? And we really couldn't come up with many ways. So my takeaway was there's always a way for a game to fail. Always. And that's not saying that it's, uh, you know, plus EV to get to bet against that. Um, but there is always a way. And so just like keeping that in mind that it can always happen on any given Sunday. Uh, let me see here. I'm just going to scroll through my position by position plays. Yeah, the, the one note on Mixon. So he came in at 16% in this field of 113. I mean, a guy like that, I'm going to take that bet all the time. And again, that's my personal style of play. But what I wrote here is work, work horse back, plus uh, being against the bad run defense, plus too low of a price, plus too low of ownership, plus an uncertain field equals a great fucking play. That's the type of guy that I'm going to pull the trigger on. Yeah, Chuba Hubbard, kind of the same thing that I already talked about. Uh, and so my takeaway from that the insight for me there was because I mentioned I was immediately thought that both Jonathan Taylor and Darrell Henderson were strong plays is one of the things that I tend to do and is a mistake is that I don't revisit my early week notes. My early week notes are often pretty sharp, and I think that could be said for a lot of us here at OWS. JM talks about this. If you guys are accumulating knowledge over time, 
you're probably going to be pretty sharp if you give yourself the space to think through games. And with that, I would highly recommend for anybody that doesn't do it already, make that be your first step in your process early in the week. Uh, I I personally think it's a uh, a mistake or a room for opportunity if you are not doing so for yourself and are immediately diving into the edge and the content from these guys at OWS. You should be reading that 100 uh, percent. These guys are incredibly sharp, and that's the kind of stuff that you need to know to really sharpen your pool and sharpen the way that you're going to approach the week. But when it comes to being a good DFS player and doing so in a sustainable manner and really wanting to be be a strong player, uh, I highly, highly suggest you play with doing a, a first look, so to speak, at games if you are not already. So for me, takeaway, make sure that I am revisiting my notes on Saturday while I'm kind of getting deeper into my process and roster building. Uh, Let's see what else here. Yeah, again, just kind of mentioned that the I liked the Dimey Brown play uh, in a plus game environment with focus heavily on McLaurin and RSJ for good reason. Without any other real weapons in the passing game besides McKissick, I thought he was a sneaky, solid play. Low f- floor for sure, but also a solid price considered ceiling plus leverage. And also that, you know, Hilo talks a lot about this too. Leverage is uh, a big part of that is creating a, a roster that is constructed differently than the field. And so being able to have both Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill in my lineup. Uh, was likely going to differentiate me a bit and and Travis Kelsey for that matter. Um, and taking a shot on a guy who is not just a shot in the dark. He was a part of a good and a good game environment. He is a dynamic talent. We just haven't really seen too much of him so far. And they just didn't have any other uh, real targets on that offense. Uh, yeah, Ricky Seals Jones talked about that. Travis Kelsey, he was also mispriced on this slate. And, you know, 7K for Travis Kelsey. I was kind of surprised to see that, especially after having a down week. Uh, he burned a lot of people. So I was definitely wanting to go back to the well there. And just because I know some people have, uh, I've done this a couple times this season. I think this is the most, uh, it was the most valid kind of reason or week to do it this week. But I've had people ask about the double tight end thing, especially in a small field and that being negative EV. That's one of those things where that's a bit of a, a lot of times we take these rules as black and white. Zandemir has done an awesome job of talking about this, especially in discord this year about how, as humans, but also as DFS players specifically, we can get very be very black and white and uh, not be able to be in the gray area because it's uncomfortable because there's not certainty there. And so I didn't really I don't look at this as playing double tight end. Uh, I look at this as playing two guys who had an incredible floor and ceiling role in their offenses in a great game environment looking at them as pass catchers and not just uh, at their labeled position. Yeah, the one note I had on the Detroit defense was that they were they were 25 percent owned in this uh, this contest, which I pretty much never want to be playing a defense that is 20 plus owned, uh, especially when it's not a good one. There's, you know, Detroit, actually, they're they've been good at pressuring this year, but I really didn't expect them to succeed in this spot. And for defense, because it is so high variance, having like being on a defense that's so highly owned is kind of an immediate way to um, get sunk with the field and and kind of uh, provide negative leverage for yourself. All right. Again, just going to pause here. And if anybody wants to come on up to the stage questions about my lineup questions about my process about anything you've seen in the document how to use it 
Go ahead and you can just raise your hand and come on up. Otherwise, I'll throw a couple more things at you. Hi, low. Yeah, I'm still on mute, just FYI. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. What's hey, what's going on, man? Hey, so I'm in the car right now, but I was listening to that. Uh, so hopefully this comes through all right, but I had a question. Yeah. How uh, oftentimes when we're experiencing, you know, a for like a personal downturn or like an extended, like I say extended loosely, I guess, like a, a three to four week downturn where things aren't going our way. Like how do we, how, how do you separate your process from the results in the sense that like, how do you evaluate, am I, is my process jacked up or am I just not having variants go in my favor? That's what I got. All right. Cool. Thank you. Yep. Came through good. Uh, yeah. Awesome question. Uh, I feel like that's been kind of a consistent thing in this space, which I, I love because it's such a huge part of uh, being a DFS player and staying consistent and not just kind of flying off the handle and really um, being emotionally reactive. So for me, first and foremost is reflecting like you have to be doing that in order to have any semblance of what that looks like for yourself so uh you know download like grab my document uh do anything that's the you know the guys are are posting on tuesdays here you should a be reading those things b trying to see where uh you can evaluate your process similarly and this isn't about taking my document verbatim or you know doing anything that the other guys are doing but uh just seeing what makes sense to you and how you can really start evaluating your process so first and foremost you have to reflect to have any semblance of that otherwise you are truly just on the roller coaster of your emotions which is where this document uh was was born is because i am a very emotional uh, DFS player. And so I, I realized that I needed to have something to ground me in, in my play and to, to really start separating these things. The other thing that I'll say then is, uh, really being able to understand why you played guys, game environments, etc. So kind of like I mentioned at the beginning here, uh, talking about the foundation of my roster being the uh, the Washington Kansas City game is I could in hindsight look back and say, man, I'm such a donkey for playing T Taylor Heineke. Like what a stupid move. I played Diami Brown like what an idiot. Nobody was talking about him. You know, those guys combined for 17 points like what am I doing here? I'm a complete moron. But instead, I I know exactly why I played those guys. I know the reasons behind it. I feel good about those reasons. And therefore, as I said earlier, I can take the L. I'm, I'm making a bet and I am willing to live with whatever comes of it. And that's been the single greatest factor for me is uh like to not experience that fomo to be like oh man i really should have played this guy instead even like and so this goes both ways by the way so even kind of like i said with the uh like the daryl henderson play is i wasn't i wasn't like oh shit i should have played him because he had a good game i was like I should have played him because I was on him and because I felt really strongly about that block and because Chuba Hubbard was getting a little bit too cute. I didn't need to go there. So it goes both ways in terms of uh, good plays or bad plays. And so, yeah, know why you are making plays before the weekend starts, because that way while we're always we're human and we're going to have those moments afterwards and be like damn should i really have done that uh it's you're going to be 
much much less likely to to waver or to feel like uh you made some some massive mistakes but with that i'm just kind of finished by saying it is a process and a practice to get to that place and you'll never know for sure you know there's always some gray area around uh whether things are processed whether things are variants but yeah those are that was the thing that i would say first and foremost is is know why you're making the decisions you're making all right anybody else feel free to jump on up go ahead and hit the little hand raise at the bottom of the screen and then also fully open now to ask questions talk about your lineups anything like that anything goes now And I'll just kind of, oh, there we go. Rotom Maven's coming on up. Hey, what's Hey, Ben, this has been awesome. Um, I'm listening to this and, you know, you and I had this conversation about starting this pod, you know, weekly. And the idea was to do something similar to what I learned this offseason in crypto which is there's these stage channels like we're on right now, obviously. And having somebody come up here and just be authentic with really how their play is happening, right? And really assessing your process, which is like the hardest thing to do. I am guilty of it every single week. Like right now, I should be doing exactly what you say, but I can't get myself to do it. Um. However, um, you know, talking through this in the off season with you of what this could be, I just absolutely love the direction it's going. Um, and we're starting to record these now. So you guys, if you miss it, you know, uh, we'll put it up on the podcast networks for you guys. And yeah, man, I just want to tell you, love what you're doing. I think we uh, call it uh, assessing your process with Ben Fritz. So let me know what you think of that. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. I totally appreciate the the feedback. And yeah, I'm feeling... Uh, I'm really enjoying doing it, so I'm I'm hoping other people are are getting value from it. And yes, assessing your process with Bfritz twelve, love it. Uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm super excited to keep moving with this, and yeah, I'm just kind of letting it evolve. We've got somebody else coming on up here. Million, what's up, man? Oh, Brian, how you doing? You hear me? Pretty good. All right. Uh, this question specifically for uh, us, uh, and I wanted to make sure I asked you here, um, because I'm also in the bankroll building phase of my play right now. Uh, so we have guys. We're in week seven now, and our money isn't as long as the other people in the staff or the OWS fam or whatever like that. So the question is, how long would a guy like you and me should keep the light on the players that hasn't really been hitting for us as of late, such as like an OBJ, a T. Higgins, Rodney Anderson, etc. Yep. Uh, thank, thanks for the question. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, by the way, can you mute for a second while I answer here? There's a little bit of background noise on your end. All right. Yeah. Uh, great question. And I, I kind of joked about this a few weeks back. I think it was week three or four uh, with the Atlanta Falcons and uh, just kind of got brutalized by them <laughs> like a couple weeks in a row, just kind of waiting for this ceiling game, you know, playing both Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts in a lineup in good game environments you know, against the Giants and just falling on their faces. This this one is is really, really hard. The one thing I will say with this is uh, this is where OWS and these guys as experts are such a huge, huge tool and value to lean on. So to kind of like tune into what they're saying, tune into, you know, the NFL edge, obviously into 
all these other columns just to kind of get a little bit more of a deeper feel on are these guys like still good plays are they maybe not working in the offense they're in or they're not being schemed the ball anymore or uh whatever that is like try to get a little bit more gather a little bit more of that data and then the other piece of that for me would just be understand that the field feels the same way as you do and that's the the thing that i really try to sit with each week and that's why having this really intentional reflection process is helpful for me and i mentioned this uh, that week after i got burned by the the falcons for like the second or third week in a row which was these guys burn me again i feel like an idiot i'm never playing them again like that's the the human response that's the way that we kind of emotionally respond to these things so taking a little bit of space to Again, assess that, assess the actual situation on the, you know, the NFL side of things. And then understanding that the field probably feels exactly the same way. And so we're really kind of getting to the point in the season where, like you said, we're, we're a third of the way through. People are going to start being really cemented into their ways of thinking into who are the good plays who are the bad plays and again this is kind of where the ows approach of building better rosters really comes in handy because we're we're not just picking plays we're not just focusing on those things so really noticing where leaning into that uncertainty can give us an edge and again i always say this like got to know yourself as a player you got to know how much you like risk you are willing to take and willing to embrace and it's taken me a couple of years to get to this point where i've finally kind of embraced that i'm going to take risks and i'm going to lose weeks more than i win but because of that that's really going to open me up to those big weeks that can make your season and can really uh build that bankroll so that's that's what I would say there is do your research, make sure you're you're tuned in to what these experts are saying. Uh, these guys are just incredibly sharp. So tap into that, use them and then also understand that the field's thinking the same thing. And if you can leverage that in some way, you can have these guys that haven't hit big ceiling games, but are having a role in their offense. Uh, is a, a really um kind of how i'm i'm approaching it love the question though love the question yeah definitely at the point in the season where people are kind of are going to be thinking that are, are really have a sense of certainty and so whatever we can do to you know our, our edge is leaning into the uncertainty all right Anybody else want to jump on up? Feel free. We've got just a couple more minutes here. I'll kind of hang on if anybody else wants to come up. I'm going to... Oh, there we go. Aaron, just sent you the invite there. Aaron, you're back. What's going on, brother? Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks. Um, you know, I... I'm getting better. Um, so last week I didn't cash or anything or cause I did play, you know, 50, 50s, double, double ups, triple yeah. up and quintuple ups. And I also play some tournaments. So I did cash in a lot of my tournaments. So I did make some money back, which was better than the weeks before. So, um, so yeah, so basically my question was, I was on, I'm for cash games in a lot of, you know, I was on a Lamar and how now nothing I can do about that, but I was on between you know, Devante and play Devante and, Hen and Henderson or Cub and, um, and Herbert. And it went back and forth. It went back and forth. And I finally settled on to play Devante. Not saying it was, a, it was a bad play, but it was like really close. And I'm, I'm more of a data guy. So I just felt like, you know, Devante would have more opportunities and kind of, I think I over, might, may have overlooked some of the matchup, you know, problems that the bears gave them, but when you're between two players, you know, is there like a tiebreaker thing that, that you have, or you just kind of go with your guts? Um, I know you mentioned that a little bit, a little bit before, but with, with Taylor. Yeah. 
Great question. Uh, love this one. One that I find myself in weekly. <laughs> um, for me, I always, always come back to volume. That's like one of those things that uh, is kind of, I always try to see if there's a, a differentiator there. And I'll, I'll even get as uh, granular as like really trying to Think about how the game environment is going to play out. So that's a, a note there. Game environment is really, really important to consider when it comes to volume. That was kind of why I wasn't on Devante this week, actually. Um, but then, yeah, just like noting that. So even like writing that out. So, you know, Devante is going to get six to 10 targets in this spot when normally he could get uh, anywhere between 12 and or 10 and 14 or, you know, whatever the case is, because the game environment is going to be a little bit more um back and forth or the other team plays at a little bit faster pace whereas like this week the the bears and the packers are you know likely just going to be kind of a, a slugfest both teams want to play slow if they if it's up to them so volume is one and then the other one because this is what creates fantasy points is touchdowns and touchdown equity so really looking at that and, and and that's not to say that there will always be a distinction in in either of these volume or touchdown equity uh but looking at both of those things and so yeah those are those are the main considerations for me and even like the when you're doing a toss up like that uh kind of like a 2v2 thing it's it's always hard it's always hard uh, but the the best thing i would say is like actually uh writing out or thinking through what the most likely scenario is based on game environments because sometimes that's one of those things that projections don't fully fully take into account and i like to do manually if i'm down to a like a 2v2 or something okay so for the packers game environment was that just because they were on the road or was a slower pace or I didn't really, I didn't really see that when I was looking at that game. And plus, I'm also probably have a Packer fan too, so that might may have something to do with it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really see anything. Oh. I just saw like you know Devontae, probably one of two guys who can get the ball a lot, you know, and and could score a lot of touchdowns uh, just because of his usage. So that's the way I was looking at. Um, I just kind of here's what you saw in the yeah. environment. Well, I'm a Bears fan, so we can't continue this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no um the yeah i mean definitely the the pace of play here like i said the the bears just <laughs> want to run it so heavily yeah. and are just really going to be doing everything they can to slow it down and and really green bay wants to play at that slower pace too okay. and being a divisional game a lot of times uh, especially the packers bears because they know each other so well but this is kind of a a general rule as well these divisional games a lot of times the teams know each other better and that will kind of put a damper on the game environment so uh at least for me it was just it, it just felt like a kind of a slow back and forth game that unfortunately i always thought green bay was going to pull out but uh didn't really see them scoring you know probably more than three touchdowns and while Devonte is always always uh, you know, going to be to have a chance at one or two of those um, just wasn't like a spot this week where I wanted to pay his price, which I always love playing Devante. But uh, yeah, in in cash, just like knowing Cooper Cup's role and just, you know, seeing double digit targets in every game and Stafford is looking his way nonstop and just like super soft matchup. That's kind of where I would have weighed it. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got, I got, yeah, yeah. I did play cup in tournaments and stacks, and so that's how I was able to cash. Uh, one thing I also just real quick, I, th I uh, tend to do or was thinking about doing is like if I, you know, really high, you know, I, I, so I played Devonte and, and Henderson, <clears throat> and in, in my fifty fifties and um, double ups. But maybe then since it was so close, maybe I should have maybe in my triple ups or triple ups just went with the cupper you know, went with cooper cup and then that way i could have kind of like got the best of both worlds and, and if they both fail well i guess you know it wasn't meant to be you know right and actually yeah i actually love that you said that because that is another approach i'll take is hedging and whether i've actually started to use uh do this across sites and so like for 
while I didn't play that Darrell Henderson Cooper Cup block, like I said, on DraftKings, I did play that on FanDuel uh, because it is touch- more touchdown heavy. And so, like you said, whether it's over content contests or whether it's across sites, hedging is is a really good way to uh, try to like to help build your confidence because if you're the the problem with conviction plays as I've talked a little bit about is you're it's it's very all or nothing which can be really really difficult when you're in the bankroll building process or you are trying to get a feel for your play style or am you know am I sharp am I doing this well or am I not oh so, yeah love that idea for sure yeah okay yeah and I started to do the same thing against turn with my tournaments as well um so and it worked out this with this week um well it did in previous weeks but you know i'm starting to see that you know get a little bit better so great well thanks for um taking my question yeah totally man thanks for coming up here and hanging and uh yeah always appreciate it um, all right guys unless somebody else has got anything i'm going to wrap us up here uh just to kind of my my high level thoughts at the end of the weekend here <clears throat> were my so I always like to the end of my reflection process is what are my takeaways from the week? So like after I go through my lineup and after I go through all these kind of angles of looking at it, I just like to from a high level, what are my takeaways? And my first one was my process is solid. My thinking is getting me closer to having a shot at for first place. That said, I need to be careful about getting stuck on plays or getting too cute. I don't need to differentiate everywhere. Uh, the other ones that we didn't really talk about here, but are important for play style and, like I said, bankroll building, if that's your thing, which I think for a lot of us is, I uh, continue to be strong in showdown and on short slates. And so focusing some of my play on those, taking some of it from the... Uh, kind of the the main slate or the bigger slates and filtering some of that bankroll into those where I feel like I have a personal edge. And then, as I mentioned already, uh, my early week notes are often pretty sharp, but I have a tendency to stray away from them. And so I need to revisit them on Saturdays to just kind of uh, figure out if I want to get back on any of those or not all right with that that's going to wrap us up for the week six assessing our process i am bfritz 12 i so appreciate all of you guys for hanging out and love having you guys up here to ask questions and stuff too so definitely encourage you to do that in the future always feel free to shoot me a message in Discord as well if you are not able to be here live or don't feel comfortable coming up to the stage. With that, I am Bfritz12. Let's jump into week seven, and I will see you guys at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday evening. Talk to you guys soon.